This is a trigger warning. This podcast contains mentions of racism, fascism, harassment, and transphobia. We're in double digits. Double digits. Episode 10 of Queer Sounds. I can't believe it's been this far. Uh, we've made it this far. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. As always, my name is Hannah, pronouns they, them. And today with me in the studio, a member of the City Council Utrecht, fellow podcaster and employee of Trans Network Netherlands, it's Sophie. Hi there. Hi there. Happy to have you. Thank um, you. Could you introduce yourself to our lovely audience, name, pronouns, what you do in daily life, etc., etc., etc.? I am Sophie Schechs. Uh, my pronouns, she and her, but I don't mind if anyone uses non-binary pronouns. Uh, I'm 37 already. Uh, living in Utrecht uh, for uh, eight years, and with my wife and our cat um, in a in a nice uh, ecological complex uh, in a typical Dutch rijtjeshuis. <laughs> I don't know how they call it in English actually. And uh, since uh, last year, uh, I'm also city council member, as you said, in Utrecht. Uh, Dutch uh, the politics it has municipalities of about. 90,000 inhabitants for smaller commu- uh, municipalities and Utrecht is a, is a effortlessly bigger city. It's one of the, the, the great four cities. Um, and I'm a, one of the 45 members of uh, the city council and uh, member of the uh, GroenLinks uh, party. So, yeah, the, the, green the, the Green Party, exactly. Yeah, and we're uh, in the coalition, so uh, we uh, make the policies uh, for the city uh, together with uh, the Democrats and a small uh, uh, left-wing Christian party. Yeah, from what I've gathered, you are in fact part of the biggest uh, party in in our municipality, aren't you? Yeah. Um, what did you do? Because we, we had a brief talk before and you said, well, I was lucky that uh, that the meeting didn't last until 3 a.m. this morning. That's yeah, something well, I well, keep forgetting about. Um, it didn't last that long. We have uh, uh, council meetings uh, every week on Thursday and uh, twice a month there's the whole city council coming together and uh, yesterday it was a discussion about uh, how we spend our money for the next year and that's one of the the, the, the most important uh, meetings uh, of the year and they take really long because there's motions and amendments and uh, we have to vote on that and discuss on that. So it can take until 3 a.m., but this one was until 1 a.m., so it wasn't that bad. It was reasonable. <laughs> yeah. um, and and it starts uh, the day, well, not the meeting, but the day starts at 11 in the morning, so it, it makes it a long day. Yeah, that's, that's uh, what's that, a 14-hour workday. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> that's intense. I'm already glad when I can get seven in. So... Can you can you give us a little scoop here? What were the most important things that you talked about, or something that? Um, keep well, in mind, it won't be published until like another three weeks or so. The most important things. Uh, well, we had there were some budget cuts uh, because there's an interesting system here in the Netherlands when the the national government doesn't spend the money it was planning to spend, so it spends yeah. less than the municipalities that get money from the national government get less money. It's right. a weird system because like, it's not like the municipalities don't want to spend the money they originally were kind of promised. Right, yeah. So, so um, we had to make a budget cut on an on athletics facility and the community using it wasn't prepared 
by for this news so mm-hmm. they came uh, to talk with everyone in the in all the political parties and uh, one other political party found some money that uh, could be spent differently and uh, we were all uh, agreeing on that that would be a good idea to indeed spend it differently and right, keep yeah. the athletics park open. A little bit of strategic spending there. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get too much into uh, <laughs> all of the different political debates that you've had last night, you're also a lobbyist for Transnetwork Netherlands. Is that the right word to describe it? Um, or spokesperson, yeah, yeah, maybe? No, no, lobbyist, advocate. Um, I'm officially a policy advisor. Um, but I did indeed. I I lobby for trans rights in national government. Uh, so for uh, I'm indeed locally. I'm like yeah. a city council member for the Green Left Party. But I have to leave that behind when I do the uh, national lobby work for Transgender Network. All right, and with that, I reckon you lobby uh, in particular for say healthcare issues or healthcare recognitions issues, in legal uh, legal gender recognition, yeah. anti discrimination policies. Uh, Well, all kinds of measures that make life for trans people better in the Netherlands. All right. Um, that's something we'll dive into later. But first, let's get some music going. Um, it's a Dutch track, a song I also distinctly remember from my childhood. Yeah, let's get this going. know this song because it was the ending credits to a childhood cartoon even though it was released five years before i was born but um i reckon that's where you got it from as well right um i think so i i don't remember exactly but uh i think i think so because i was seven when it was released and that's the age when you really get hooked on on cartoons and this was a a really uh, fun cartoon with, with, with also Quite some serious topics yeah, in it, uh, big time. E- even even about fascism. Uh, um, for those unaware, we're talking about Alfred J. Quack. Um, it's I, I expected that to be a different name in English, but it's just a literal translation. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a Dutch, German, Japanese collaboration. Um, it's an, it officially labels as an anime, which I find hilarious. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just this colorful world of l- little anthropomorphic animals, bunch of adventures, but like you mentioned, a whole lot of dark topics. Yeah. Fascism, yeah, death, uh, what's that? Apartheid. Mm-hmm. So, Enlighten Us, is that why you picked this track? Or? Um, well, it, it's like the first, uh, hap- this, the singer-songwriter Herman van Veen. Right, yeah. Um, this, uh, this track was on an LP uh, the first 
like album I bought myself in a in a, a library sale, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so this is like the first memory of me really getting involved in music and the the this is like the most happy song from the album but there's also some also dark songs also about the cold war and indeed about death but also a happy song about the daughter of the singer songwriter which still haunts this daughter <laughs> right, even yeah. though she's already uh, over my age there's even a song about a man with a di- uh, and his dick all right i think so <laughs> and it, it's one of the last songs. Whole lot song pack and, and I was like seven. I I don't think I really noticed that song. Yeah, I reckon. I never get to the, got to the end of the album somehow. But yeah, it's uh, the cartoon really. Uh, in a way, it it also uh, really made me aware of the world around me. Right. Yeah. Is the cartoon the reason why you bought the album, or did you uh, did you get it before and then? I don't really remember anymore, but right. I, I already knew the singer songwriter, so I think I, I kind of just knew about the cartoon, right? And then bought the album at I the mean, sale. I mean, the song itself is older than the cartoon. Yeah, the so song is much much older. Yeah, and the yeah. entire concept of the of of the anime is much older as well, right? Because it was based off a theater production by okay. by Hermann von Thain as well. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's kind of morbid. Like when you're you're seven years old, you expect a lot more of these similar happy songs, and then there's then there's tracks about death and 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 whatnot and whatnot and whatnot. Yeah, but but the album wasn't a soundtrack to the to the uh, cartoon. Yeah, no, no. But so, but it, there's it's not like the person at the library told my mom. All right. <laughs> what kind of songs were on the album? Let me rephrase the question a little bit. Did you expect when you got this album? Did you expect more of these cheerful upbeat songs? And... I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and Did... there there's some of them, but there's also the series of songs about the bomb will never fall, and it's, it's yeah. about about Cold War, the atom bomb, and songs like that. So it's it's that's not cheerful. It's not anything my parents talked about with me. Right. But I did listen to the song. I think there's a similarity here between the album as a whole and the soundtrack of the anime because you'd expect a whole bunch of colorful happy stuff and underneath lies a whole package of of kind of dark, sinister, morbid morbid subjects. Mhm. Is that and you, like you mentioned briefly before? It made you aware of the world around you. How did how did you realize that? Well, I'm I'm born 37 years after the Second World War, and it's like uh, I'm now 37. Actually, there's there was like peace, and there was the European Union, and you weren't really aware of that there was a wall in the middle of Berlin right. and things like that, and you're not really uh, old enough to really be educated about what the second world war meant for yeah. for uh for like uh, people in europe jewish people and what racism is um and this cartoon like explained it to to children which is really special and it, yeah. It, 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 yeah it made me aware of of what the world is like and did it influence your behavior i don't know i probably probably right yeah I, from my personal memory, like I do remember the cartoon as well, and I do remember that there is this this character that's obviously modeled after uh, after Hitler. But yeah. I just kind of thought they were taking a piss at him. Like yeah, but- I didn't realize that they were they were trying to teach uh, teach kids that kind yeah of, but they also made of this character like like a bit of a sad character who was also looking for for friendship but 
failed at that because he was so mean as well. Yeah. And of course, uh, it also influenced my uh, image of Black Crows, which the the the, yeah, the, the bird the, character was. That's that's a whole that's a whole other story, but it, it, in a way, it, it teaches about good and evil, but that it's not also black and white. Do you think that the the fascist character being modeled after a black crow represents like the Jimmy Crow laws? I don't know. I mean, it would be another layer to add, and I don't think that that's something we want to unpack right now, but it's just something that crossed my mind. Anyway, if it influences your behavior, I do feel like it, or even if it didn't, but made you aware of what what was going on, um, I feel like it could have been a catalyst for your political activities. And like, not necessarily <laughs> as a whole, like, all right, I'm eight years old and I'm going to start a riot, but more in the sense of it planted a seed or something for what later would become your political well, interests? Well, maybe in part, because I was, uh, as, as a child, uh, kind of uh, the lonely kid, right. um, not getting along with all the, uh, because I was uh, perceived as a, as a boy with all the boys in the, in, uh, in uh, around me, um, Although I really liked the company of my older brother, so being and and later on, I think around that age of uh, of seven as well, uh, I started to be uh, teased by uh, by classmates yeah. uh, and harassed as well. So that 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 really also that I think that had a, a more influential role in in how I uh, saw the world around me and with injustice. Right. So it's more. Like- comes more from a personal experience. Yeah. Um, you know, the injustice that's been done unto you, you try to prevent yeah. being done to others. But th- that's also why the cartoon resonated with me as well. Oh, yeah, I bet. Kind of, I reckon it feels like a way... Well, I don't think it actually has trans representation within that. No, but... that's true. But I, I, it, I, I think I became aware that I was trans, although I didn't have language when I was like, nine years old. Right. Um, a little later... Um, and with no trans representation representation around uh, that resonates with a child of nine years old, yeah, and yeah, that also influenced how I acted with other children, and that I hit myself and would a d hid, <laughs> um, yeah, right, and um, yeah, really turned into myself and and uh, couldn't talk. Yeah, it's like the way it. where where you don't. To to an extent where you're not represented, you also feel like you should not be representative for yourself in the world. Maybe mm-hmm. like um, I reckon it has a lot to do with validation um, yeah. and you know being othered by the others, so to speak. But from there, it kind of evolved. You want you start to be uh, become politically active, uh, like like skipping a few years. A few, <laughs> a few. So how many years are we skipping here? Um, I think. Uh, p- becoming politically active that will uh, skip us to 2014 it's oh, so it's that's not yeah recent. yeah i became a me- member of the green party in uh, 2010 right um and i was already yeah well i was already influenced by for instance my brother uh, he was a member of the the, the youth green party Ye- the youth branch of it youth yeah. branch yeah um when Pun he was very much intended 17 17 so that was when i was 15, 16. So uh, already during my, my teens, I was already influenced and, and really aware about the environment and things like that and injustice. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was the logical thing to end up at with the Green Party and 
becoming politically active uh, was kind of a, a logical step after already being so much involved with politics in my work for Transgender Network, where yeah. I started in uh, 2010. But I, I also kind of meant it in the sense that, you know, politically active as a whole, not necessarily from within a party. I reckon oh, you must yeah. have done things before you actually joined, because I yeah. figured yeah. that would be the reason to join after you've already done those things. Yeah. In uh, like 2008, I uh, wanted to start at the university in Nijmegen, where I studied uh, a, a trans queer initiative. Uh, didn't really get off the ground, but nonetheless, um, to to make people aware, uh, the university aware of uh, what was uh, about gender diversity, right? Mostly, yeah. And uh, later, a little later, I joined the local uh, LGB back then youth. Uh, group because I also identify as lesbian. I'm attracted to women uh, and femmes. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um, that kind of sounds like a whole different world to me because if we're talking about 2009, 2008, that's before what is now known as the fourth wave of feminism. Mm -hmm. how, how much different was it then compared to now? There was a whole lot less knowledge within also within the, the, the Dutch uh, I, I won't say queer community because in the Nijmegen wasn't well. The people I uh, knew weren't that queer. They were mm. busy with gay rights and things like that. I had to educate people, yeah, yeah. and uh, I had to uh, educate myself as well. Yeah. As you do, was it you who added the T to what used to be Nijmegen's LGB? No, community. No, right. um, that happened after I was I left. But right. maybe I, I I gave them that little push. They already knew they had had uh, because I was an active member right. um, of the, of the, the student group uh, of this uh, organization. So gave them a little push in the right direction, yeah. maybe. But like you said, then you started to get involved with um, with the Green Party. You've been on the list for uh, national elections. Yeah, regional as well. I started with regional mostly to get to know the party and to get a hang of the campaigning. Right. Uh, never with the intention to really be elected, uh, but I did get some quite some votes, so that, that was a really good stimulus. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I uh, got on the list for the for the national uh, elections in 2017, yeah. Yeah. All right, a uh, little bit of background information here. Um, in the Netherlands, the system works um, without explaining the whole lot of it. Basically, you can vote for a party through a person. So you can vote for a specific person, and most people are just lazy and pick the top one on the list. But you can also pick uh, individuals further down, and with that, actually actively add to, say, more women, albeit be it cis or trans, in uh, the different sets of government. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not necessarily a vote for a party within itself, but it's a vote for a person that is part of a party, and with that, that party will become either the biggest or the smallest. Uh, currently, I believe Groenlings is like the biggest left party in the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. Um, without... Um, Just a little bigger than the, the socialist party. The... the uh, I would say the Dutch equivalent of the Labour Party. No, no, the, wait, the the Labour plummeted. Yeah, the, <laughs> there's two socialist parties. There's the the Socialist Party and there's the, like the Labour Party. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And All right, but without getting into too much details, <laughs> I think it's about time to get the second track of the day going because I feel like if we 
continue about this specific subject and explaining the Dutch governmental system. We won't be done for another three hours. Here we go, it's our Queer Artist Spotlight. Four fifteen thirteen, or I reckon July fifteenth, two thousand and thirteen. I don't actually know what the date is for, uh, of what happened on that day, but it must have been something very personal. I tried looking up the lyrics on um, on Genius, but no result as of yet. You listen to the uh, orchestral version. There is a different version here uh, on a sep- on a different album released last year, but more recently, uh, an entire album got released with a lot of stripped down beautifully fragile songs like this one so sophie you picked this track because because uh, i'm really impressed by by amarasu um she makes some damn good music i don't uh listen to to queer artists that really that i really look them up like Mm -hmm. that i go looking for queer artists but i don't really remember how i stumbled on her but she was Maybe maybe one of the few ones that I uh, were in a list somewhere on the internet or were m- mentioned as uh, as a trans artist, queer artist, and I thought, well, that's like interesting. I don't haven't heard uh, any uh, black trans artists 
before um and why not uh, give it a try yeah um like the the first uh trans artist that i listened to was probably um anoni yeah um back then uh, with anthony and the johnsons i actually find their voices sound quite similar yeah yeah and this song yeah. it's, it's really uh, uh yeah you really hear the similarities but there's also the differences Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I stumbled upon an interview with uh, Amerasu on them.us. Um, mm-hmm. How one the... of my favorite uh, career oh. websites. Yeah, definitely. They're good. They're good. Um, uh, main statement was that she's trying to put a positive narrative or a positive black trans narrative compared to you know all of the uh, harassment and murder going on. Yeah. And that actually. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that actually felt really empowering. Mm-hmm. Um so um you mentioned briefly you actually actively went looking uh for queer artists. Did I catch that correctly? Uh I think so. Maybe maybe it's even even that I picked her up from them.us or no. uh, maybe it was on uh the, the line of best fit. I don't know exactly uh exactly, but uh yeah, it was with the with this the song Mac Ryan um which uh that that I first listened from her and was like a really critical song about Mac Ryan uh issues of race and things like that and and uh calling yourself an ally but not acting like an ally yeah. I think and uh, w- with a with a wonderful tune and I I it, it got me hooked on her music and uh so it, it wasn't her being queer that uh Uh, pulled me over um, yeah. but uh, yeah her music what made you choose um seven fifteen thirteen instead of McGrine well McGrine is already an an, an older song and uh I, I wanted to give her newest album a, a spotlight and uh, I think this is a really beautiful song I, I listen to all kinds of music and uh, uh, she also has more uh, more uh, electronics tracks. And mm-hmm. uh, this is uh, kind of intimate, and I, I really love that as well. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. I I, I must agree. Um, is it something with her transness that resonates with you? Well, in the way that that she she's like out there and indeed positive and showing herself, and um, I I that that resonates with me because uh, I, after I uh, came out. Um, to people around me, I uh, I wanted to uh, connect, stay connected with the people around me, and mm-hmm. I couldn't like go. I, it never crossed my mind to go stealth. And uh, before I, uh, uh, in the process of uh, my my transition, social transition of uh, showing myself, I I had a, like a, a kind of a, a androgynous queer uh, period. I can call it, I think, um, which also put me out there and made me quite visible. And uh, I got used to that. I, did, I didn't feel shame. I, I uh, felt uh, pride in myself and uh, I never had to be convinced of uh, being an out trans woman. I just was one from the start. That actually sounds braver than I could ever be. Although, although of course, it, it was... F- Freakingly scary. Oh yeah, to, I reckon it to make be. the first steps. Yeah, I really, I really, uh, uh, it, it took some time. 
What pulled you across the threshold? Um, that I, I, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just wanted to uh, make a start. And uh, uh, yeah, well, as a person who really dislikes injustice, I wanted to change things instead of changing myself. Right. And you ended up doing both? Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I ended up uh, confirming myself and changing uh, changing the world around me. Yeah. All right. Um, so um, there has been parts of your transition that's been quite visible through TV, through through a TV show that won't be named. Um, <laughs> yeah. How how is that experience? Is that something you're willing to open up about? Um, yeah, we can we can talk a little about that. Yeah, it, it was it's, the recording started like was for one season and I w- made one comeback this year uh, for two minutes I think right um, um, and uh, I, there were six episodes I was in and uh, I indeed talked about really personal things with, with friends uh, in it and, and uh, also yeah. my brother just for some clarification this is a TV show that uh, by the Dutch Public Broadcasting Network that follows trans people through that transition yeah. Yeah, and it's of course it was a, a, a cisgendered perspective yeah. on, on on trans experiences, and I really had to do my best to make it more uh, aware of of uh, visibility issues for trans people to to stay away from uh, stereotypes and uh, yeah. cis, the, the most damaging cis perspectives. Um, from uh, what I've gathered, or from what I've seen of the show, it's also very much focused on. Um, exclusively, like success stories. Uh, yeah, it, oh. yeah. It's it's most most about the success stories, but also about some. Uh, it tells some quite difficult, uh, touching stories. Yeah. Um, some other people were really vulnerable in in this show. Oh, and, then, uh, that's true. Um, also, because they were in the middle of some social, uh, uh, of socially coming out and. Uh, Telling people and uh, some uh, some big medical uh, procedures, um, and that was not the issue for me back then because I I, I had those steps already behind me. Yeah. Um, so it was mostly looking back. Yeah. In, in the timeline of it all, um, the recording of the show is kind of like at the beginning of your political career-ish. Like, yeah. um, I reckon this series came out in like 2012. So no, like two. 2000. 14. 14? Yeah. Not, not, All right. Yeah. That's, that so was... it was just before I, uh, well, just when I was candidate for the, the, the regional elections. Right. Yeah. Because um, that's actually how I, I found out about you as a person. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I had this show. Then I was looking on the list who to vote for. And I thought, hey, I remember that name. I recognize that name. Mm-hmm. Um So, um, so with that, are there, are there more people like me? Are there more people who recognize you, voted for you for that reason? Um, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, How does that make you feel? Um, uh, privileged, yeah. All right. Uh, it's also, it's really privileged to get uh, a democratic vote from people who recognize themselves in me or uh, are feel empowered by me being a candidate. Do you feel like you've achieved your goal of adding to transversibility? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do think so. Um, um, sometimes a little. I'm a little bit jealous about classically uh, attractive uh, 
almost cis-perceived uh, trans women who become models and, and, and out of nowhere get a stage to to become activists. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really had to had to work for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to have a diversity of voices. So uh, I'm I'm not jealous. All right. Um, so is there something that you feel like that's still on your list? Because it sounds like you have been doing so much already. Um, what, is there something you feel like you still want to reach? Um, well, I'm still at, at TNN. I'm still really working really hard to make life better for trans youth right. in the Netherlands. Legal gender recognition is for trans youth is all around the world still a, quite a quite a big issue that mm -hmm. is in many countries not even touched upon because people can't imagine uh, children being aware of their gender. Although, what about the cis children? But uh, I I hope to to make uh, make lives of trans youth in the Netherlands a, a little bit better uh, and to. Well, I don't need to be an example for them because there are so many great and wonderful young trans people who are uh, uh, role models for the, for the trans youth in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I think it's about time we get our fourth track going. Should we? Uh, third. Third. Yeah. Um, right. No. You know what? No. I think there is oh. another thing we can we continue we can continue to talk about because. Wait. I lost my track. Of th I lost my train of thought. It left without you. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have my boarding pass. All right. Um, nah, let's just let's just get into the music. It's a music podcast after all. Great. Regina Spector, Trekkot Samson. You are my sweetest downfall. I loved you first. I loved you first. Beneath the sheets of Spectre. It's another one of those fragile but oh so beautiful songs, this time with a whole lot of biblical overtones. Are you a religious person? No, not at all. No, I think I even had a kind of an anti-religious period in during, during my youth. <laughs> right. Um, but then, how did you come up with this track? How did you stumble across it? Um, I, I uh, got to know Regina Spectre over, over 10 years ago. Me, 
before 2007, I think. Yeah, this track is released 2006, so that so might I make think sense. So I think 2006, yeah. 2007, um, from her album... Uh, Begin to Hope. No. No. No, the other one with the... Uh, with the Matryoshkas on the cover. Uh, uh, Soviet Kitsch. Yeah, Soviet Kitsch. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, and ever since, I've been a huge fan of uh, Regina um, and her, uh, uh, all her songs. She's like, like she's like a, a, a queen. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my goddess uh, for, for within the realm of music that I, I like. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's in the category best life experience. What was that like? Um, well, because uh, I I uh, uh, love her music so much, and it, it really uh, her songs touch me uh, every time I hear them. Um, but it took over uh, almost ten years before I saw her live, and uh, I even uh, one of my middle names is Regina. Uh, because wow. well, after uh, I could change my names, I thought, well, she is the uh, resembles my love for music. Music has been so important for me, and her songs are have been so important for me when the times that I really felt alone. Um, and uh, um, yeah, so there I was uh, in Paradiso in 2016. Beautiful venue. Uh, beautiful venue, um, and with my wife. Yeah, we were married already, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it—I uh, was crying. I, I, was I bet crying uh, with this song as well, um, and uh, it was uh, chills all over the the almost the whole concert. Um, so it was, um, yeah, the best life experience I had. It was also well, Regina Spector is also really uh, also uh, one of the. More also in a way politically involved. You know, do you say involved? Uh, oh, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. But, but about she her she also career, was but... talking about the the, 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 tr the elections coming up between uh, Hillary and uh, Donald mm -hmm. in the U.S. and she uh, really feared what was coming. Uh, and with that, I mean, she a little bit of background on her. Uh, so Regina Spector, a uh, Russian, she comes from a Russian Jewish, very musical family. Like mm -hmm. her father was a, I believe, a clarinetist or something like that. Like something. So uh, we've had two very fragile, beautiful, calming songs in a row. Is that representative for your overall music taste? No, not at all. <laughs> I also, um, in uh, during my, uh, I had I had a kind of a teen angst period, um, right. and my brother also listened to uh, Nirvana. And uh, I listened to uh, Soundgarden, Silverchair, Deftones, Korn, uh, New Metal. Right. Um, so after a heavy, heavy youth, I, I indeed ended up with also listening to singer-songwriters. Like I kind of went back to to Hermann von Veen in a way, but mostly yeah. uh, female singer-songwriters. Maybe uh, only female singer-songwriters. <laughs> kind of along the way, I also started to listen to dance music. Uh, with, right. with the M83, but also just guitar bands uh, like, uh, like uh, for instance, Vivian Girls. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to me, it kind of sounds like your typical musical development, actually, like pretty, pretty archetypical. Like you're introduced to 
allowed heavy rock bands by the older brother. Like that's as cliche as it can get, almost. <laughs> and from there on, you start to develop your own taste. Yeah, yeah. So what was what was the turning point? Like what made you change it up? Um, I think in a way that the artists that I listened to in in the 90s, uh, like uh, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell and uh, the band Silverchair, Chris Cornell made a made a solo album, which is also with intimate songs, and uh, Silverchair had also an orchestral album. I think that influenced me as well to to get more in touch with the, my being well with the more vulnerable songs, right. and uh, then I think eventually there was like also a movie, uh, Donnie Darko with 80s songs, uh, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kind of pulled me towards uh, towards uh, the Smiths and uh, the Cure, David Bowie later on, mm. uh, through my uh, girlfriend that I had back then. So I, in a way, I, I got it in my early twenties, uh, around the age of twenty. I got also influenced by other kind of music styles, and it it stuck. Right. So just kind of as you do along the way, you discover new things. And- mm-hmm pick and choose what you like and move on from there. Yeah. Uh, you briefly told me before that you also uh, want to get more representation in your music taste, like, for example, listening to trans artists like Anoni, like Sophie, um, which mm-hmm. I guess is a coincidence you share it's, a name. It's, it's quite a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. What What you like about her specifically? Um, also out there and uh, her music, like, you like it or you hate it and i i like it i listen mostly to music when i'm in the train right. to my work and uh, i it's not in the morning or after my work and then I, I don't feel like listening to heavy music <laughs> so i don't sense. listen to that much to to her music tracks but i yeah i like to share it with other people yeah all right very well um but this is in this section you know best live experience do you go to shows often um no not that often i i uh, I had a time that I, I collected my show tickets, but that's already years ago. I kind of feel like uh, a settled lesbian with, with a with a house and a cat and, of course, my wife. It's also, uh, well, uh, difficult to, to know if my wife has the energy to go to a show because mostly we go together and my wife is chronically ill and also uses a wheelchair. So uh, it's it's uh, going to a concert isn't that uh, easy anymore. You can't just say the day before like let's go to a concert because right. uh, yeah, if someone doesn't if she doesn't have energy to do so, then uh, well you can't. But I I don't feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, I do feel like we we mentioned Paradiso before because it's just a beautiful venue on the inside, but it's a bitch to get in. Like with the stairs everywhere, like especially yeah. for wheelchair users. Is yeah. that is that something you also lobby for, like within your own within our own municipality? Uh, accessibility is one of the the, the issues that I, I work on uh, within the city council. Uh, accessibility of of venues is is a topic, but there's a lot of accessibility is all around the city. It's still mm-hmm. an, still a big issue, um, and the venue can do better, but it's it's already much better than. Uh, the, the venue in Utrecht, uh, the Tivoli Vredeburg, yeah. is already better than uh, Paradiso. But you also have a place called uh, Echo in Utrecht, which mm. says uh, you can't get in actually uh, independently with a wheelchair because uh, they, they can put out a ramp, but it's too steep 
for instance, and then there's oh, you can't get to the bar because there's also a step to the bar. Um, but you can get in the venue, but then of course you can't see because there's all all people, uh, people standing in, in front of you and things like that. So it's accessibility of venues can be much better. True. I mean, ironically enough, uh, Echo is the one that really prides itself in ripping down, literally tearing down the walls between men and women's bathrooms. Yeah. And then there is this whole issue of not being accessible to wheelchairs. Do you think it's just, I don't know, some kind of promotional stunt? Because I personally um, do still like that they've done it. Yeah, I, I, of course, also like that they've done it. But it's uh, laziness that they didn't do anything in regard to accessibility be- except the, the lousy ramp. Yeah. And it's, because there, before there wasn't like a step between the hallway and the cafe, not that I remember. And suddenly there was a step. And I think, why? Yeah, they um, they renovated over the summer, but I don't know if they've actually changed anything about that. I haven't been there, but maybe I'll check right, out. Yeah. I mean, this is getting too much a little bit in crowd anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but how do you, how do you work on making things more accessible from within the city council? Um, well, you can, uh, I, I asked a few questions in the city council. Uh, that's, uh, you can do written questions and uh, questions uh, in, in a meeting. We're still waiting on uh, the accessibility policies based on the UN, UN Human Rights Treaty on uh, on people with a handicap. Mm. Um, so that's coming hopefully before the end of the year. And then we'll have a have a have a ex- well extensive discussion about if that what the what, what the possibilities what older are. men want to do is enough. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, with because it's also personal for me in a way. Uh, I can't discuss all of the issues, um, but some issues are of course on uh, on the f- topic of healthcare, um, and a colleague of mine uh, does that. But there has to be well more policies on this on accessibility throughout the city like uh, a lot of people take their bike in Utrecht and put them everywhere and that means that there's bikes on places where you can't go anymore when there's a bike if you use a wheelchair in right uh, especially like around a a place like uh, like a venue it's it's a problem because people put their bikes on on just just kind of bluntly put people being inconsiderate assholes when it comes to parking their bikes. Yeah, because they're, they're just not aware, yeah. really not aware. Because in the Netherlands, you don't grow up with awareness about the needs of people with a handicap, if they're blind or deaf or use a wheelchair or any of them. So just practically speaking, what um, what has the Utrecht City Council achieved when it comes to making things more accessible? Um, well, earlier this year, we decided on uh, toilet policies throughout the city so right. that there should be accessible toilets every 400 meters in the city center. There should be signages throughout the city to the nearest uh, uh, accessible public toilets and things like that. All right. Uh, so that with that, I just kind of reckon we aren't just talking about ur- urinals here. No, especially yeah. not about especially urinals. Not, I, I, yeah. I kind of made of a I've, point that like urinals, no, we shouldn't do that anymore. Like it's uh, also because, of course, urinals are only accessible for people uh, who want to take out their penis in public. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not toward the public, but with their... Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, and P standing up 
and so you should be able to do so for enough time to pee and should be able to use your hands uh, all those things um there are some urinals because in the city because we don't want to have men who urinate in public to do so uh, on buildings right yeah that makes sense yeah. um kind of sounds like a very uh well it's not even that much of a complex intersection of of no of of intersectional feminism i think like it it doesn't just touch on cis women's issues but also like trans men issues that type of mm-hmm. yeah 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 without you know um without being too self-promoting here for the city we live in what do you think that really could be done better uh one of the issues but that's not an issue i i uh Uh, I am a spokesperson on in the city council is how we uh, make sure that people who need like wheel- wheelchairs or uh, things like that, how they get them. Um, because there's a, a really a bureaucratic policy municipality has to manage because that's how we nationally arrange this. Uh, but it's a mess uh, locally. It can be done quite better already without uh, without the national government changing the policy, which also needs to happen. Um, but the, the uh, companies are paid money to assure wheelchairs, uh, for instance, uh, for people who use a wheelchair, and they those companies make a mess of it. Right. So is this is this a capitalist thing? Is this a bureaucracy thing? Is this a healthcare um, thing as a whole? Uh, or is it just a big spaghetti bowl of whatever? It's a big spaghetti bowl. Right. Um, it's it's not putting the person who needs the the wheelchair uh in first place it's putting the money in first place all right um i think it's about time for our last track of the day as a shout out to all my swedish listeners <laughs> of indie song that they've got a patent on in Sweden it sounds like or any of or, or, or anyway in the in, in in the Nordic countries um yeah it's another one of those French songs but it's got a little bit more of an edge to it I think I, I have a sweet spot for Swedish pop songs <laughs> uh, sweet spot pun intended um, <laughs> all right um artist was Nadia Evelina a track called Beach House off the album VI I think that's just a word for you but 
Nay, no, I won't also wanted or most wanted to respond in Swedish. Uh, it's uh, the Swedish word for we. Uh, so you say it says like it pronounces W. Uh, the V, yeah. 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 All right. So the D. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. No, I like it. I, I wasn't familiar with this artist before uh, before you suggested we'd play this. Um, like you said, you have a sweet spot for Swedish music. I know that you also do Swedish on Duolingo. How's that going? I do. Uh, it's it's <laughs> well off and on, but I I answer almost almost everything correct. So it's not right. I'm not in the difficult uh, levels yet. So what's the chicken? What's the egg here? You listen to Swedish music, thought, yeah, I want to listen to the, uh, I want to learn this, or did you just have a fascination for Sweden and the language, and that's how you rolled into Swedish music? I think I I uh, rolled into uh, well, walked into my my wife <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well she studied in Sweden for two semesters in, in Lund and um, she really liked Sweden and she kind of uh, infected me with the same love uh, so we t- travel there uh, almost every year uh, or every other year she listened to Anna Brun and then I lis- started so listening to Anna Brun and artists like her sing English songs but I think out of a sudden, one of uh, I I started to look up uh, Swedish singers, singer yeah. songwriters uh, who sung in Swedish because, like, why not? It, I can't understand it, so uh, it's not that I need to understand lyrics because I don't always listen to English lyrics as well. Right. More of the, the the listening to the whole of it. But yeah, I I stumbled upon some some amazing Swedish singer songwriters. So. Do you um, listen to music differently in Swedish compared to Dutch? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would listen to. Uh, I, there's also some Swedish music that I would absolutely not listen to in in Dutch, um, because there's uh, it's silly or just uh, too much like pop music. But yeah, because it's in Swedish, I somehow like to listen to it and it's maybe yeah. because the the lyrics themselves if they would have been in dutch would have been too blunt too uninteresting yeah, maybe it's it, 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 it is lyrics rem- a distraction for you do they distract from the melodies uh in dutch yeah yeah that's what <laughs> I mean. um uh in swedish not yet and i hope it won't happen but uh, swedish songs also and singers they also sing about like songs about Stockholm yeah. and uh, songs about the country because they're in, in Swedish and uh, remind me of, of my experiences in Sweden uh, or with the, because they're like really intimate songs as well. Yeah. Uh, they... they uh, you just kind of associate them with good memories associ- maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, as- I associate them with really good memories. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then out of your search for... Um, Swedish singers who actually sing the native language. Uh, Nadia Evelina just rolled around or... Yeah, I don't know. Clicking through related I, I, artists. I, I al- always click through related artists and it's it's really hard finding uh, Swedish singers, uh, female singers, women, who mm-hmm. uh, swing, sing in Swedish in the, the, the genres that I, that I like. Um, yeah. And there's so there's not that many in... Uh, I think a few months ago I stumbled on on Nadja Evelina, and well, with a song called uh, "Beach House," and she's singing. Uh, you listen 
to you listen to Beach House and I I love Beach House the yeah. band uh, one of my my favorite uh, uh, English bands uh, she sings about it in Swedish so yeah it's it's a good it's the best uh, musical marriage <laughs> right yeah it's kind of the imagine. best of both worlds it's, it's yeah. like what you like about English music but also in a language you like yeah all right perfect yeah I think that about wraps it up uh, I've got one question left to ask you which is the overarching question of this podcast what does music mean to you in your daily life music means being complete i like would be incomplete without music wow uh, that's the bombshell to end on i want to thank you all for listening i want to th thank you sophie for being here thank you hannah for uh, having me my absolute pleasure um if you like this podcast also if you don't tell a friend tell a friend to listen to it um you can find us on uh twitter tumblr wherever so yeah on all of those media it's uh, queer sounds pod all one word um i've also gotten a contact form on the website if you want to get in touch directly um or you can just email us queer sounds pod at gmail.com um yeah that's a, that's about it ciao